the Production Expert Podcast with Russ Hughes and James Ivey. Well, good evening and welcome to Production Expert Podcast number 433. It's August 17th, 2020. I'm Russ Hughes. I'm James Ivey. And I'm Sarah Carter. And uh, we had sunshine for a few days. Haven't some of you been living in heat waves recently? We had a little bit of sun at the weekend, but generally in Ireland, if you get over 21, then you're having a heat wave. But has it been like 100,000 degrees in London, James? We had 33 degrees and what feels like 10,000% humidity. And please, no one quote me on the numbers. Um, But it's been been pretty, pretty hard work for little people sleeping to the point where we've had both of them in with us. Jake nearly sticking his face in the fans trying trying to stay oh. cool. Oh. Yeah. It's been oh, it's been London. warm at night. Yeah. Yeah. Business don't not being too far from London, it was it's the same story. Yeah. The the nights were just impossible. Thirty three degrees, thirty four degrees and then during the day and then in the night time it was still Twenty? Twenty two or twenty one. Like serious. They it's call like it they call it tropical aircon. apparently. Like, tropical nights is anything above twenty degrees in the UK. And it has been consistently that for what feels like forever now. Of course, you know, in a month's time when we're, we're back to the freezing cold and it peeing down with rain, it'll mm-hmm. we'll have forgotten about all that. And <laughs> we'll be complaining well, about we are no nearly sunshine. In September. We are nearly in the fire lighting period of life. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> Enough of, that, of, of all the things we could be talking about that are troublesome right now in 2020, <laughs> I, I think these are way down the list. Yeah, I, I understand there's, there's, they're, they're forecasting fire tornadoes in America. <laughs> you couldn't Good make this grief. stuff up. Yeah, and Nickelback are, are doing a comeback as well. What, what more could go wrong? <laughs> anyway, uh, we've got some great deals from Universal Audio, Arturia, Isotope, Nugent Audio, RSPE, Waves, Editor's Keys and Avid on our deals page. Check them out in the link in this week's podcast notes. Let's move on to some talking points. These are sponsored by our friends at Arturia. Hello, experts and listeners. Pro Tools Expert Talking Points is brought to you with the support of Arturia. Arturia has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the Audio Fuse Creative Suite is included with all Audio Fuse audio interfaces. Follow the link in the podcast article or visit arturio.com to find out more about the effects you'll actually use. Let's move on to talking point number one. Uh, William Whitman at the weekend, Bill, whatever he, we, we call him without upsetting him, uh, mm-hmm. is uh, one of the contributors to the blog. He talked about this story of of uh, doing a session with Cindy Lauper, who he's worked with for years. And uh, it was a good article generally, but then he talked about how a magnetic razor blade nearly destroyed a 10-hour vocal session. <laughs> and, and I thought we would talk about uh, horror stories. They're always fun, aren't they? They're very entertaining afterwards <laughs> yes let's be clear about that so uh sarah we were just before we came on air you had uh, your days at uh at the radio two was it bbc yeah yeah radio two uh, it was a saturday afternoon uh we were doing a, a sort of a live to air uh session with um scissor sisters who were very popular at the time i think it was about 
2007 or 2008, something like yeah, that. Yeah, when they, when they couldn't do anything wrong. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'd spent all morning, obviously, setting up the session, rehearsing, getting everything sounding just right for them. And they were happy. We were happy. And we were just sat there waiting, you know, watching the clock, waiting for our time to go live. And um, for some unknown reason, the, uh, the drummer decided that he'd just sort of mess about with his headphone mix whilst we were waiting. <laughs> And uh, we got into the show. We were chatting very nicely. I think it was with Richard Allenson. And uh, we were having a nice little chat and setting up the song. And and, uh, and and off we went. And all was well for about the first, oh, I don't know, 10 seconds or so. And then things started to drift. And the drummer was not playing anywhere near in time with the backing tracks. Um, and, uh, we were, you know, myself and, and the, the engineer that, who was sort of heading up the session at the time, we looked at one another and thought, what's going on here? The band were looking at one another, but, you know, we carried on, they carried on and, uh, you know, afterwards made a little bit, uh, of an apology about it. It turned out he'd, uh, he'd, for some reason he'd turned his click down or he couldn't <laughs> hear his click. So he'd lost the click track and, and yeah, well, yeah, the rest, as they say, is, uh, is history. And it might be some recorded somewhere. In it the might, archive. Of the in BBC. the archive. That's yeah. a session worth listening to. This is yes. the sisters going completely. Going off. To shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and uh, did, did they realise what was going on? The rest of the band, or was it one yeah. of those situations where once the session was going, it was going, and there was no way back? It was it was going, and it was just with those awful, you know, the whole thing was pushing and pulling, and you know the the <laughs> the, the other artists were, you know, they were they were singing along, I guess, trying to sing as best they could to a to a drum track that was was off by goodness knows how many. How many beats? Well, it to hasn't the, got to, to be far out and, for it to sound horrendous, has yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was a nightmare. So, but with this, we couldn't do anything. We couldn't stop. Well, I guess. I guess we could have, but we didn't. And they just they carried on. And um, he he mustn't have been too far. It mustn't have been you know so far out as, as to the point where they just couldn't perform. But uh, yeah, we it was just came down to an apology at the end and. Yeah, we we went away. They, you know, Richard carried on and played some records and came back, and everything was marvelous. Oh, you it got fixed before the end, of, so it wasn't every song. It was just the first no. song in this session. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was yeah. good. You see, if it's slightly out, you, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? If it's really out, then you can say it's jazz. <laughs> yes. Can't you? Yes, good enough for jazz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like if if the, none of the notes hit the right places. Just who was it that said? There's not. It was the famous. Was it? It was, I think, Herbie. No, what not? Was it Miles Davis? He said, if you're going to play a bad note, play smile it, or something afterwards. Uh, well, play, play, it, play it again and, and, and act like you meant it. Act yeah. like you meant it, yeah. Because yeah. jazz is like that sometimes, isn't it? When you hear like, like those piano solos in like really kind of avant-garde stuff in jazz, you think, yeah, wow. Yeah, is, where is that it, going? Yeah. Has he hit a bum note? Was he playing a minor fifth diminished 17th? Yeah. Augmented yeah. ninth <laughs> moment. F demented, as it's referred to. <laughs> <laughs> FD minted. Or you throw a piano down a mine shaft to get A flat minor, don't you? Hey, put on tish. Early on. Did you see my one from the weekend? No. Oh, the one about the, tape. Yeah, when you get a tape machine, when you get a tape machine and, 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 it, and it's controlling it by Pro Tools, when you press play, it takes a little moment for Pro to, for the for the tape machine to 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 to, to get in get in time. In sync, yeah. And and just let that sink in. 
Because that's, that's wah, a phrase wah, that's, used, wah, that's, wah, that's used a lot on social media these days, isn't it? Just let that sink in. Uh, Jivey, what, have you, do you have any horror stories? Oh, God, I've got, thou- I've got thousands. Without naming the guilty? <laughs> okay, so I did a session with a, a group. And I'm going to say group because I'm not going to name the instrument either because that would give it even more away to the, anyone in the know. Um, and we'd done most of the bulk of the session. And the particular instrumentalist decided that they, I'm not going to say he or she, I'm just going to say they, decided to to stay on after the main bulk of the group had gone to do their solo. And I went, yeah, no problem, because it, yeah, it, it, it was quite a roast and they probably wouldn't want the rest of the band sat in the control room ogling at them, you know, through, through the glass. So I said, yeah, we'll do, we'll do the solo afterwards. Um, and... I mean, I, I'm a, I'd like to say I'm I'm on the scale I'm on the scale of perfectionist. I want it right, but at the same time, I also believe in the laws of diminishing returns. And after the sort of sixth or seventh take, and I thought, okay, we're close enough, you know, especially in in according uh, in synergy, if you like, with Will's article. Um, although comping it together is not always the best way, it is a way to get a result. Um, and I thought, yeah, from seven or eight takes, that's no problem. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, this particular performer holds my personal studio record for the number of takes in a, on a particular track. 116 takes <gasps> that I had to comp from. Good grief. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite a challenge. How do you even keep track of that many? How do you know... I mean, did you just, uh, you can hear in my voice that I'm just <laughs> flabbergasted at the notion. <laughs> and the, the, the problem is, the further down the rabbit hole you go, the worse it gets. And then desperation sets in. You're like, I know you're, I know you're paying the bills for this session and, and all that, but we're not getting any closer to our end goal here. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I think, I mean, I don't... I don't entirely remember how I did it because it was a while ago and I've I've erased it from my memory. Um, (laughs) But I think I took one of the takes and then just found if if there was a bit that was wrong, I then replaced it with a bit from the next um, or consecutive take that was right. Yeah. That was what what William said in his article, I think, with his Mm. uh, um, example. And, you know, he just got to a, a take that he thought was mostly good all the way through and went with it. And then if anything kind of stuck out as he progressed through the mix, then um, he just went to other takes and yes. grabbed the best. Which version. leads me pro- probably to my story. So <laughs> I think I was about 21, I think. I was early on in production and there was this uh, female uh, singer-songwriter writer, vocalist and a guy who ran a local studio to me said, she was looking for somebody to produce an album for her. And at that age, everybody thinks they're a producer, don't they? So mm-hmm. I, I'd heard a track that she'd been on and thought, yeah, I can do it. I can do this. And we're going to make, we'll do this album together. So we get the tracks, get the backing tracks down. And then she turns up to do the vocals uh, and she can't sing. I mean, she can't sing at all. She's absolutely like Les Dawson <laughs> style <laughs> singing. Uh, and 
I'm sitting there in the first take and think, oh, it's nerves. Let's uh, let's make sure the headphones are fine. You go through all the processes of checking that they can sing in tune and it's not they, that they've got a good headphone mix and mm. uh, you, you, you give them some some time to just relax and stuff and they've got water and all those kind of things. And as the session went on, it became more and more apparent that she couldn't string a tune together. Uh, and it, I, I, it wasn't even a case where I was going to find a good take to uh to, to use as a base to use as a thing. basis yeah yeah it was way before the days of auto-tune as well uh and so i first my my first strategy was to say hey wouldn't this be great as a choral album <laughs> 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 and just thought if i record enough takes of her out of tune it might uh, sound really good as a kind of because that's how that's how choral choirs oh, sound good yes yeah <laughs> but it just it just it just oh sounded worse and oh worse <laughs> to the point that I went home that night and I thought, shit, shit, I can't, I've got to, I've got to resign. I can't do this. There's just no, there's just, there's no, irre, there's no redeemable quality in this woman singing. And so I remember having to call her and saying, listen, I couldn't do the album anymore. I don't know. I can't remember. It's like, I was, it was like 30, 35 years ago. So I probably lied <laughs> <laughs> for the greater good. Yeah, sometimes you have to accept defeat on these things. My dog died. Sometimes, yeah, accepting defeat, I can't do this, is a... um, Someone once said to me, it might even have been you, Russ, that no is an acceptable answer. No is the best answer sometimes. Yeah. Can can you do this? No, I can't. (laughs) I read recently that no gives you more options than yes, because when you say yes, you're tied into one you got it tied to one that uh, one thing. We've, one thing. we've been reading no, the same book, haven't we? Is it James Clear's? No, the, the Atomic um, Habits. No, we the, the the Chris Voss one. The um, um, the one about get the oh. oh is it the negotiator one? Yes, yeah. Oh yeah, the FBI negotiator Chris Voss from Masterclass. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, yes is yes gives you one option, no gives you many options, mm. which is a really great quote. Anyway, I've got more any story two from anybody because I've got a few, I've just been remembering them as we're talking now. This could be okay. Yeah, I've got, I've got story James, num- story two. Story number two. Um, as we all know, the way there are there are two ways to trash a recording session. Uh, Julian's not on the on this particular recording, so I'll I'll say both of them. The first one is to not have good headphones. Um, there are so many, even even those that call themselves professional studios that have shocking headphones, headphone systems and headphone mixes. Um, I, I suspect the BBC was is not one of those establishments. Um, and if if said drummer from Scissor Sisters was able to tweak his own mix, he probably did it did it the damage himself. Um, yeah. But the the worst. Can you just? It's one of those things you should never say yeah. just before you go live. Can, Can we just, just? Oh yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> So, but the other thing to, to guarantee that a studio session will go badly is to turn up and not be prepared. Yeah. Um, to not really know the material, uh, unless it is genuinely a writing session or a band sort of writing session. That's that's a completely different thing because you go in with some ideas. You don't go in with fully formed songs. But when the band have come in and they've put a certain number of days to, to record, you think you know you, you're going to be you, you're going to be on it, aren't you? And you tell them in advance, but of course this was earlier on, earlier on in my career, so I didn't really know to ram it down their throats that you have to know what you're doing. You know, you kind of expect it back then, and oh dear, how wrong I was. The singer turned up, and we did 
again, I should. It's one of those things I should have noticed during the session. So I kind of blame myself. But I was again early on in my career. So, um, we did the band to play together, and they were pretty good. You know, probably two or three takes of each song. But at no point did I actually hone in on what the singer was singing. He was kind of going through the motions of making sort of vowel sounds and stuff. I, I thought, oh, maybe he's holding his voice. Maybe he's holding it for the session this afternoon. Maybe he's just holding back. Maybe he's... Oh, no. No, no. The, the, the thing with this particular singer was his theory was he was going to make sounds into the microphone and cut the, the vocal track together from the stuff he recorded. What? Exactly. He said... For he said, vowel sounds? He said, I'm an experimental vocalist. I said, what? He said, no, I'm an experimental vocalist. I experiment with vocal sounds over the track, then we cut it together. Every other studio I've worked at has been fine with it. I said, you know, things like, how many days were you in the last studio? He said, oh, we were, we were doing this for six days. And I said, and you've got three hours to cut a vocal this afternoon. He went... Oh, it might take a bit longer than that. <laughs> I was like, just, no, I've never, you know, it, it, it's a learning curve, isn't it? You learn, you learn yeah. all the questions to ask before the event. Everyone can yeah. tell you all these, all these things to put in your um, contracts and your riders and all that sort of stuff. But until you actually get one of these, I could be. Yeah, but you don't put, don't be a moron in a rider, do you? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, having basically having to politely tell this guy to go away, listen to, listen to the rough mix of the band that I'd done, and actually come up with a lead line and some lyrics. Oh, and did he? Yeah, and I don't. I think even the band turned around and said it wasn't our idea. He thinks it's artistic, and I think I might have said something derogatory at that point. Um, I don't think they came back for days three, uh, say from anything past day three, because it it just got so embarrassing for them. So. I think we churned something out in the end, but I don't know what it was. I have no idea what we did. It was such a long time ago. I've, again, erased it from my mind. Come on, Sarah. <laughs> you must have tons from your days oh, in the no. bead. I've been, I've been racking my my brain trying to think of, of uh, you know, of something else. That, 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 the Scissor Sisters thing was the, was the, the main one that came straight to mind, but... Uh, oh, okay. What, what are you about thinking? You? What, yeah, yeah, what are you thinking have... then? I've got two more. I've got the first one I'm going to say <laughs> is that I, I used to do a lot of live album work. And uh, I recorded this live worship album because uh, I did a lot of that stuff. And uh, I, I, it had to be turned around really quickly. So it was recorded on a Saturday night. And on the Sunday, I was listening through to the tracks. Uh, and there was a guitarist called Steve who was part of this band. And uh, this track's playing. And it's it's a really lovely track. and it's good, But it's quite upbeat and stuff. It's kind of poppy. And then halfway through, he has to break into a lead. And this lead, I have to say... Uh, it's the closest I've ever got to dying of laughter when I was listening to it. It was kind of a, it was going, doo, doo, doo. it was just really twangy, <laughs> completely none of the notes made any sense. And I just kept, so I'm not supposed to be mixing this album. I must have spent uh, an hour rewinding it and just playing it back to myself again because it was just so hysterical. But then I had to, I had to explain to him that it, that it wasn't going to make the mix. I can't, and I, I think he came over to the studio to listen to this mix, and I said, "Listen, mate, this we got to we got to drop this." The trouble is, on live albums, uh, and and here's a, here's a fact about live albums that when I worked on them, most of the stuff that was on live albums wasn't live; it was all redubbed afterwards. We didn't have time, but the trouble is, you get spillage in all the other mics. 
And so you've got this twangy guitar solo coming through like the drum mics, it's coming through the vocal mics, it's virtually coming through every mic that's sat on that stage. Uh, <laughs> it was just, it was just terrible. It was just, and but it was just, but it was, it was so terrible. It was funny. It was like comedy gold. Uh, I always thought I'd keep it as a ringtone because it was, it was just this terrible twang. Like it, it the sound was as comical as the as the as the guitar solo. Uh, but uh, I can't. I think the song had to be scrapped because of the guitar solo because it was bleeding through all these mics. So uh, yeah, it's funny listen. you say about guitar solos though. I I had a recording project a few years ago, and it was. It was for a video. In fact, they wanted to put it all online as well. So, you know, and the guitarist at one point got up to, to do a solo. And he was, he was, say, again, a tasty rhythm player. I thought, actually, you're really quite handy. Got up to do a solo. Oh, no, no. Should have yeah. stayed sat down playing rhythm guitar. Yeah. Yeah. And they said, yeah, I know what you mean. And yeah. they said to me, well, you're a guitar player. You, you just blow a solo over the top. And I went, I can do that. But this is for video. The cameras were pointing at him. So, <laughs> so you've got to do got to do a guitar solo that matches. So that matches what, roughly matches what he's doing with his hands, and and I remember th- because we were doing the video for it as well. I remember thinking, right, if I just zoom in so far, cut to away. A, yeah, cut into yeah. another shot, I can actually do a or solo. That, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's painful. But they said they said oh, uh, but the, the problem was uh, uh, whether it's naivety or I I got a really good noise out of it or whatever. The guitarist said. Wow, that that solo sounds great. I sound like I really know what I'm doing. I'm sort of buried my head in my hands at that point. I went, "Well, yeah." yeah my yeah. third story. My, my third story comes off the back of that in a minute, but I'll get back to that in a second. But actually, the thing, other thing, thing I remember from that live album was there's one thing if you're going to record a live album to never have on stage, and that's a triangle because <laughs> a, a triangle it seems to put it's it's it it's. it's it's like it's like if you ever tried on mixing a triangle out of a track, it's worse than a cowbell. It just permeated through the whole of this mix, and whatever you could mute the entire desk and still hear this triangle because there was not even a mic on it on the night. But this percussionist was playing this clanging along on this triangle. Could I get it out of the mix? Could I hell? It was like before the days of RX and stuff like that. There was no way of losing this triangle. I've got one so, more. I've got one more for you along those lines. Um, we were doing a live recording of it was uh, it was actually of a client's wedding, but back when I was playing with the band, and they, she was Brazilian, he was English, I think, and they one of the guests had turned up with all his percussion and and I thought, oh, this could be good fun, you know, if he can play and he could clearly play. But he had no idea of the principle of the speed of sound. I'm at one end of the room playing drums. He's at the other end of the room playing cowbell along with me. But of course, because of the speed of sound, he's not playing along with me. Mm. (laughs) And I've tried, I've got a click in my ear and I've got this dunk, 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 dunk going off (laughs) at the other end of the room. A good eighth of a beat out of time with me oh it was horrendous sounds like you've gone full circle back to the scissor sisters story <laughs> there i think yeah and that's probably a good thing because i still can't think of another thing oh come I on think, sarah you worked at the I, beam for a decade i know i know i can't was it always perfect well you know i worked with some really great great artists and i work with but i you know i work with young artists as well coming in for the first time and they were 
you know, they were excited to be there. You know, the BBC introducing thing. So they were just excited to be there. They'd rehearse their parts, you know. They, they were, a lot of them were good, I'm sure. I'm sure there are memories like James that maybe I've just repressed <laughs> and, and wanted to forget. But I, at this moment, I, your stories are so great. I can't, I honestly okay, can't think of another Okay, one more before we thing. move on. So I did an album and the bass playing on it was all out of time. I mean, like not, 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 not typically out of time for a bass player because we all know they always, are, they always are. As the old joke goes, you hear about the depressed play, bass player who threw himself behind a train. <laughs> <laughs> I love that joke. But I had this guy and he just, he was just, and he was a friend of mine too. And I thought, what the hell am I going to do? And I tried to do some... I tried to do, you know, have you ever had a track where it's so, where it's out of time in such a way that you just can't fix it? I, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether you slide it on the, mm. on the timeline or you try, you try, uh, in those days it was beat detective and stuff like that. I, or I couldn't get it in time. Mm. So I basically hired another bass player to replace all the bass parts. Uh, and to this day, that guy still thinks he, he played fantastically on this album. <laughs> Never told him. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So anyway, to sort of round this this section off of the show, uh, just one t- just one sort of joy story, and I thought I'd start this one about. I was doing a track with Jess, who I've worked with a lot in the past, a singer songwriter I worked with, and I remember doing a track. And this is this is a lesson. So one lesson everybody can take away from this as well. So we've done the fun bit. So here's the lesson, and we've done this track, and Jess finished, and I said to her, "That sounds great. That sounds really great. That's that's a, that's a that's a really good take." She, I said, "That's a keeper." And she said, and she listened back to it. And then she said to me, no, I think I've got a better take in me. So we did one more take and it was better. So I think there's something to be said about trusting the instincts of those that you're recording. If they've, mm. if they've got the, the nouse and the, not the overconfidence, because it wasn't overconfidence when she was saying it. She just felt, she heard it back and thought, you know, I can do a better track. And I was producing on that day. And I took her word at it and it was it was worth listening to her because I would have taken a good track instead of a great track from her vocals. So mm. that's my tip is to listen to those that you're recording because they often know whether they've done their best take or not. Jive? Okay. Um, this was a session that you were on, Russ. and We did it here and it was, um, we were recording five i think it was five bell sisters tracks and we booked uh, an amazing vocalist called lizzie dean to come in and do the session wasn't that about fixing wasn't it supposed to be like a video to show to how to fix bad vocals (laughs) how to fix bad vocals it was a it was an it was an isotope video that you were doing with oh what's his name the the back the, the the vocalist who's down in east john perry john perry Beatles backing vocalist. Yep. Um, anyway, so so we booked yeah, Lizzie. Seriously, Lizzie he sang on Hey Jude. We booked Lizzie Dean oh. to come in, and I know Lizzie's a pro. I've worked with her lots of times, and she came in, and we had five songs to do. She did two takes of each, plus plus the BVs, all the backing harmonies and the works, and she was done in hour and a half, two hours, Russ. Hour and a half tops. And, and it was we were supposed to be showing how to use a piece of isotope software to fix bad vocals. <laughs> but, but she absolutely nailed every single one of them, didn't she, James? Yeah. And do you know what? And and from there on in, if you basically if you want to save yourself time and money and and heartache in the studio, book good people. 
just, oh, tr- just, tr- tr- yeah, just yeah, book yeah. the best people you can afford. If if, if I was ma- say if I was making an album, I would be booking the best people I possibly could afford to do that album alongside with me. Because there's a there's the old yeah. adage of always play with musicians who are be- who you think are better than you, always. But good people in the studio are the ones who come in, sit down, listen to the track, go into the booth and nail it. They're the ones you want. Not the premium. Oh, I can do one more. Oh, I can do one more. Oh, oh, I'm really struggling today. Yeah, oh, I'll I went out it. last I'll night. Get, yeah, I'll get yeah. it. Oh, I don't care about that stuff. Lizzie came in, was the ultimate pro, had a cup of tea, went in, nailed it, went home again. Yeah, it's that top tip of recording that the best sound of recording start at the person playing yeah. or singing. Absolutely. It's got nothing to do with the gear. Mm. Uh, it's somebody I heard somebody recently say, how's he getting that? How's he getting? It's like Paul Drew, for example. Uh, is that like I always use him to do guitars for me because I get his tracks back. I don't give him any, I don't give him any, I'll probably say, oh, you know, it's a funky track, but you, you don't need to tell him that because he can hear it. And he, every time he sends me something back, it's like, how the hell did he come up with that? He gets the sound right. He does things I'd never imagined possible, never even would have asked him to do as the producer. He's just, just when you hire great talent, it just, it's just, in, it's just in spades, isn't it? It's just shed loads. It's just amazing. It's money well spent. Absolutely. Money well spent is, yeah, choose great talent. So James, yeah, choose great talent because it's, it's, it's worth its weight in gold or they are worth their weight in gold. What's your, what's your number one tip then for, for not getting horror stories then? Uh, um, I would say... Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You, Ms. Carter. Ms. Carter. I would say I um, I would just try to be prepared, as prepared as you possibly can. I'm a bit of a... I like to make sure all scenarios are covered that I can think of. I'm, you know, when I worked at the BBC, I would go into the studio early. I would, you know, make sure that everything was working, um, that I'd, you know, I'd got backup recordings running. I'd, I would just say to really think about the session that's coming up and um, prepare your artist as well as preparing yourself um you know like you were saying um earlier james just make sure that they know what's expected of from them when they're in the studio um and to be prepared have you know new strings on your guitars have you know new drum heads if that's what's needed um but just so that everybody is is all prepared and ready so that the session can go smoothly um, and when the session goes smoothly, you just get the best, you get the best creativity, you get the best results, you know, and it all kind of, it's like a starting the ball rolling. It's one thing, one thing goes well, then the next thing goes well. And you think, yeah, you know, today's the day. So it's happening. And I, 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 I think that's it for me is just is being prepared and thinking about what could go wrong and then um, coming up with some sort of plan B if that, if that happens. So... So yeah, but that's that's me. That's my personality. I like to kind of make sure that um, that uh, that it's all going to go to plan. I mean, obviously there are things that happen, and you know it's out of your control. But um, you know you can't do anything about that. Um, but session session prep is so important. Anyone who mm. ten minutes before the session is running around running cables and running mics in. My my idea of of good session prep is a good half hour to an hour before the client turns up is to be sat down with a coffee 
because that way if i have missed anything i'm going through it on my brain i'm, I'm sort of ticking mm. mental boxes but I, i've checked everything lines work all the cables working the headphones are working and sound mm. good oh um yeah you know all those sort of things give yourself because if something goes wrong you can fix it in an hour if something goes wrong you can't fix it in five minutes because you say yeah. personally i can't my brain goes no uh, uh. Yeah. i just go into yeah. pa- okay. stress yeah. you're gonna yeah. make more mistakes yeah. than exactly you. whereas if you if, you, if you're doing it so as i say whenever i get a vocalist in the studio because that's mainly what i record here all guitars the mics are set up the headphones are set up uh i make sure the the foldbacks are working stuff like that because you, I don't know about you. If you've ever turned up for a session and the engineer's going, "Oh, hang on, I'll just get the mic stand set up and then I'll get the mic up," and then mm. uh, I can't find the headphones or those don't work. Let well, me find another. I have, and they've but, been but, terrible. They've been dreadful sessions. You just think they are dreadful yeah. sessions. You just, mm. yeah, you just slip into. You don't want to punch people. What's the RAF saying? Prior preparation prevents piss poor, poor performance. Yeah, planning <laughs> and preparation prevents piss poor performance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot to be said for that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Lot to be said for that. Anyway, anyway, uh, in the comments, tell us your horror stories. I'm sure there's plenty out there. And the uh, good ones, not just the horror stories, but the good stuff yeah, as well. And, and some tips as <laughs> well. Yeah. Tips, horror stories and tips. Sarah, competitions. Mm. Yes. Um, competitions. Uh, to celebrate their 10th anniversary, our friends at Sound Radix are offering three great prizes in our August giveaway. The first prize is the Radical Bundle, which consists of Auto Align, Surfer EQ, Pi, Drum Leveller and Power Air. Um, the second prize is for post users and is Auto Align Post and Power Air. And the third prize is Auto Align and Drum Leveller. Uh, we now also have a second competition If you'd like to streamline your workflows, reduce the amount you use the mouse, not only in Pro Tools, but other apps like Isotope RX, Soundminer or other DAWs like Nuendo and Cubase, then you have to check out Soundflow. For the rest of August, we're offering you the chance to be one of three people to win a 12-month Soundflow Cloud Pro subscription worth $119.88 each. I love oh, that's good. The preciseness of that. Good and accurate there, yeah. Yeah, I know. Pe- I, I know people who wouldn't have entered if it was worth one hundred and nineteen dollars. The eighty-eight, <laughs> the eighty-eight has swung it. Yeah. Well, if why, either of I these... don't get why it's that. Pri- I don't get why it's that price in the first place, and why we'd even say that in the, <laughs> the competition. Yeah. It's just bizarre. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're just we're just rounding it up to the nearest date, are we? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if either of these competitions interests you, then go to the win page on the site or click on the link in the podcast article. It reminds me actually that of a guy I used to work with in a music shop and he used to just make prices up, but he never <laughs> made them up on the pound. So like this was in the 80s and he'd go, yeah, that's 277.45. And, and because <laughs> of that, he would... <laughs> apparently that's what you do if you're a bartender. If you're going to make up prices behind the bar, you always make up weird numbers. But because again, people, people it, trust you. It's in that book by Chris Voss, so isn't it? You, is it? Yeah. Have you got to the bit where he starts, where people start talking about, um, uh, or in this, in his particular case, he's talking about buying a car, and say the car right. is like ten thousand dollars, and he only wants to spend uh, nine thousand dollars or below nine thousand. He'll start off. Right. I, th- I think it's called 60, 60, 80, 90 is the rule. So you start your first. Your first number is oh, I've got six thousand bucks, and the guy goes, well, well, no, sir, it's a ten thousand dollar car. I'm, I couldn't possibly take six thousand dollars. And after some bartering, he then goes, okay, well, 
I, I can go to I can go to seven and a half thousand dollars. And he says, no, but sir, it's a ten thousand dollar car. Anyway, the final pitch has to be an odd number because that way the person who is you're telling knows that you're you're sort of nailing every last pound, shillings, and Cent. pence yeah. sent out of. So you say, I have got eight thousand nine hundred and seventy-two dollars fifty-six cents. That's how much I've got. In my bank account. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's what they go for generally. I, I've pretty much summarised Chris Voss's book and his. Um, 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 masterclass. masterclass there but it's, it's good stuff <laughs> it is indeed uh, talking point two great article at the weekend about control surfaces for home studios everything you need to know uh, what we got Sarah have you got the control surfaces I have yes um, currently uh, working with an artist mix and uh, old school old school <laughs> and the MC transport and they made one for people who didn't know what they were doing. It was called the Piss Artist Mix. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's uh, this is it's not the first uh, controller that I've used. I've you know I've tried I tried the Mackie control for a while. Uh, the great you know, but it was huge. It was, it was kind of a great and it was Huey as well, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Whereas Artist Mix is Yukon, isn't it? Yes, yes, and. Um, yeah, the, the the Mackie was just this great lump of plastic, and and it would just was getting in the way, frankly. And I, so I just I went from that to the fader port to the Presonus, the single fader port, the version one, I think. Um, yeah, I had one of got, those, uh, and that was fine for a while. But what was kind of happening was it? I was just I I felt as though I was just using these as glorified transport controls. I wasn't really using. The fader, really, um, and I'd been I'd sort of been struggling for a little while because I came up using an analog console. So, you know, back I, I in was day. back in day. I was missing that sort of tactile thing, and I, I I was missing faders. So I wanted I wanted more than one fader. Um, so um, I started to look at the options. I mean, this is. You know, I say it was, this was like two, a couple of years ago, only a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, the, the artist mix was there. It was it was out there, albeit pretty much only on secondhand, in uh, secondhand forums and things. Um, and and uh, I just thought, well, I'll give it a try, you know, see if it works for me. And I uh, actually knew that um, Sylvia Massey was selling hers. Uh, I'd um, sort of had been fortunate enough to do a mix with the masters. Ah, ting, with... ting, 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 ting. Everyone take a drink. And it wasn't me this time. <laughs> it wasn't James. It doesn't count. That was just slightly odd. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I did a mix with the masters with Sylvia Massey, which uh, Do you want to say amazing. it a third time? <laughs> I will say it a third time. I did not only... James will so... say it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, yes, but as as uh, our listeners may know, Audrey was also on that same um, mix with the Masters with oh, Sylvia right. Massey. <laughs> oh, right. So, which is which is where I, I uh, how I know Audrey. But um, yeah, she happened to say Sylvia said said that she had one and she didn't use it. it was you know just sat in the back of her studio and uh, and I a bit know. modern for her too. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, a bit too mainstream. 
hence why it was gathering dust. So I, I just sort of asked her whether she wanted to sell it and she did. So she shipped it over to me and that's what I'm using now. And I, and I really like it. it. You know, I think that's the important thing with these controllers is finding something that works for you and, um, you know, is intuitive for you. So um, the, the, the artist mix work is great for me. It gets me back to working with more than one fader at a time and makes me sort of, I can feel my way through a mix now rather than, you know, getting stuck behind the mouse and uh, staring at the screen. I can get back to using my ears and, and using my hands again. So, so I like it. But come, what is it, 2024, uh, when they cease support for the artist mix, then I will probably have upgraded to the S1 and a dock, I imagine. Is it a, sil is it a silver artist mix or one of the new Avid black new, ones? It's the new Avid one. Right. Because wasn't one of them a bit ropey? Well, I, the I had the I had I had a, a two artist mixes and, a, and an, well, it was an MC mix because it was the original Euphonics ones yeah. and an MC control. Um, oh, that was it. And they were at best shaky with Yukon. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah, was quite no which was quite difficult, James, because you were demonstrating them at the time. Yes, <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, Touchwood, I I have been very lucky. Then they they connect for me. I mean, I'd say one one is the Avid, the Artist Mix that I use is the Avid, the MC Transport is the Euphonics, the older version, um, and uh, the only reason I got that actually was for the jog wheel because previously at the BBC they use Sadie Sadie um they still use Sadie I th I don't know if they still use it but it was everywhere I remember and Sadie was... and everybody used to use it for mastering in the day didn't they that's right well that, that's what was what it was originally designed for but the BBC yeah. bought it uh for everywhere and uh along came with it came the their um their controller and that that was the has been up to, up to date the best hardware controller I've ever used. Um, it, you know, everything was it was quite small, uh, smaller than the Artist Mix, but and it, but it had I think it just had a single fader, a series of buttons, and a jog wheel, and everything just made sense on it. And I could fly around and do editing in quick, you know, quick flash timing. Um, using that controller and you could zoom zoom in, zoom out and then switch it straight over to scrub and I, I used to be able to edit audio as I used to edit audio with tape so I could edit, um, you know, listening to the words and the consonants um, rather than using my eyes and, and the mouse. So I, that's the only reason I got the MC Transport was to try and repli replicate that um, experience but it didn't quite work out that way uh and so yeah the mc transport has turned is, is now my sort of transport control but i use and i use it for zooming in and out and you know get it navigating the session really rather than um using it to scrub audio with but sadie is windows not mac isn't it I that's think. right yeah, yeah 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 but it's been going for years mm. great piece of software great piece yeah. of software and as you say it was it was mainly i think to this day is mainly a mastering um, um, DAW. Yes, eighty six. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. James, apart from your big chunk of metal, 
Do you have any control services you use? Um, oh, you had a, you had a Raven for a bit. I've, didn't I've you? still got a Raven, and and I genuinely, I still think I've got the best use for a Raven, even even including Pro Tools. Um, no, I, I use it for real time video editing. Okay, what as a what like with touchscreen? Yeah. It's genius oh, right. for that. It's absolutely fantastic for it because you go, oh, I'll have that one, that one, that one. Go, 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 go. Um, mm. But no, to be honest, I mean, I've got, I've got my desk. I've got my, my audience console. That's my control surface. Um, no, it's not. It doesn't have automation or any of that sort of stuff. But most of what I do isn't mixing. I, I tend to mix in a hybrid fashion. Um, and most of that is, say, through Pro Tools down into stems into the console, um, or I'm tracking. And most of the time, I'm tracking. And for that, the console is absolutely is perfect. It's it's a proper speedy tracking workflow. Um, I still like the Raven for certain things, but it it, it didn't um, gel with me the way I thought it would. You know, you see people flying all over the things and um, editing on the. I couldn't edit on a Raven because I don't think my my finger definition is good enough for what I want. I'm still, I'm happy to use a trackball for most of the kind of screeny type stuff. Um, again, when people say you know, yeah, editing I, parts, I, I'm like, no, I, do you know what? I'd, I'd rather not edit a part. I'd rather replay a part and have it right rather than have to faff around and edit it. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know. Touchscreen audio mixing kind of reminds me of flying cars that the theory is brilliant, but the practice is, is not, uh, mm. but I might be wrong. Some people swear by them, don't they? Some people yeah. love them. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I have a hybrid setup setup because I I own a Faderport Eight, which is great, which is PreSonus, which 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 I work with Studio One, so that's great. So it's very integrated with that. They also have an, an iPad app, which I, I've used from time to time. I also have a uh, a control a, a console one from from SoftTube which I use from time to time. I don't have a kind of solution where it's all there all the time. Do you know what I mean? I kind of just just jump around. I've also got a Stream Deck. Have you heard about Stream Decks? They're the coolest mm. thing ever. Love Stream Deck. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just... Uh, so I have a Stream Deck where you can just build your own solution of buttons, uh, mm. which if you wanted to just a transport control, you could, you could just build it on Stream Deck for your door of choice, which is stuff like that, but even more than that if you want. Uh, so... Uh, it's funny how we want to be tactile, isn't it? But uh, but I've, if I'm really honest, I spend half my time grabbing the mouse and just working on the screen. <laughs> That's my problem with control surfaces is that I suppose we're all harking after the days of – I can listen, I get it if you're in a big big suite trying to mix a movie. Then you've got to obviously have a, an avid – a big avid board or something like that. Or when you're tracking a band in a studio, I get the whole thing of having a desk like Jivey has. But when it comes to mixing, I've been in so many studios where they've got like an SSL board and it's got a stereo pair coming back from Pro Tools because yeah. they're mm -hmm. mixing in the box yep. or a Neve. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm not that bad. I know some people swear by their, their control services. I know that a lot of people love the new S1, don't they? Yeah. And uh, things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. But I've no, as I say, because I've got a kind of hybrid working lifestyle as well. If I was doing it all day, every day, I'd probably set it up and leave it set up. But I tend to just, like my fader port isn't sitting on the desk at the moment, but it would be if I was mixing and then I'd take it away again. And then, uh, I've, I, again, also, but but it's not even just like the Raven thing. It's like, I, I've never got the whole iPad thing really as well. You know, some people swear by working with iPads all day, but 
Mm-hmm. So now I just keep. I, I I've probably just got so much muscle memory from using a mouse for twenty years that I it, to, to unlearn all that and go back to like some kind of control surface. Uh, I find it actually harder. Uh, so that so that's that. Anyway, let us know in the notes what you think uh, about uh, your control surfaces and what you're using. Uh, it's always interesting to hear those things. Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you will know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. Even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN-equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser with no software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes down there somewhere. Yeah, James, as it's been so long, I don't know when you were last on the show, eight weeks ago? I, I, feel, I feel I should do it. I feel I should. I think you should. Are you ready? Over to you. It's time for Find of the Week. <laughs> what reverbs were invented for? So Sarah, it's sponsored by RSP Audio Solutions. Sarah. Yes. Um, RSP Audio is up and running remotely. Their team is set up and working from the safety of their homes and their sales staff are available by phone, live chat or email to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio and ensure you can continue to work from home. If there is anything they can do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. Plus, of course, the link is in the podcast notes. Thank you. Uh, so find of the week, uh, James, what's your find of the week? Okay. Uh, many of you out there will know that I'm a big fan of kind of automated remote patching type solutions like the flock audio patch, which I, um, forked out for, I'm trying to think of a, a flock kind of reference there, but I'm struggling. <laughs> um, forked out for get a little while out of here. Yeah. Get the flock <laughs> out of here. Um, and I ripped the studio apart to install a little while ago and there was articles on the site, things like that. Um, the good people at CB electronics or, uh, Colin broad electronics for those of you in the old school world, um, have created this thing called the X patch 64, which is, uh, 64 ways of, automated recallable analog patch switching um in a two year break into a paul simon song then but it was 64 <laughs> ways and not 50 yes indeed um and it's it's awesome it's built like an absolute outhouse which you'd expect uh 64 by 64 matrix with um recallable routing and monitoring and you can tap the signal path anywhere you want to make sure it's doing what it should be doing um but the cool thing is it's also got an option for high impedance um, units like guitar pedals so you can have guitar pedals in the same kind of switching system as your studio effects which is really good fun mm. brilliant good cool. stuff uh, Sarah uh, yeah mine this week um, in my inbox I had the Sonarworks uh, newsletter uh, at the weekend and they've just released a new ebook and it's called Delivering Great Mixers. So I thought I would um, I'd have a little look, little look at it. And um, it's really great. I, it's a, a really good read. I haven't quite finished reading all of it, but I would definitely recommend going to the website and having a look for it on the blog. Um, and it, 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 as I say, it was 
really got covers some great topics like um, how to know when your mix is done and we've run out of money. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, how to get great mixes from Imperfect Productions, which I think Eli uh, contributed to the book for that particular chapter. And it's, um, I'll say, it's, it's really great. It suggests some great practical advice, um, like dedicating a few minutes a day to listening and studying successful productions, which is something that I um, advocate. Uh, you know, if you want to get better at anything, you've got to practice, and that involves... Um, ear training and listening to music and and analysing it and that, and uh, you know that's a great tip and it was in there in the book so that's uh, that's good for me. Um, isn't isn't yeah. e isn't e book a book for Yorkshire folk? E book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help myself. Sorry. <laughs> e. Reminds me of an old joke of an old man. Uh, he's been married to he's been married to a woman. Uh, an old Yorkshire man has been married to a woman for 70 years and she died sadly and uh uh they were very religious people so the the uh the guy the stonemason who's making a headstone he goes to see him and he says uh i'd like you to put on it that she was thine which is an old-fashioned biblical word for yours t-h-i-n-e and uh two weeks later the old man comes in really upset and he says i'm really really upset he said uh I asked you to put she was thine and you've missed the E off. And uh, he said, I'm really sorry, sir. This is embarrassing. I'll go and put it right. And he says, if you go back to, down to the graveyard today, you'll find that we've put it right. So he goes down and it goes, E, she was thine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, I spoke that because it said it, she, she was thin. And he says, you missed the E off. And he says, E, she was thin. That's the joke. But there we go. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> It's me anyway now, isn't it? It is so you. Check that book out. Yeah. Yes. I, I mentioned this in an article recently, but I think it should get special mention. I've been because I've been using it for about since I since I moved. Many of you know that I moved from a desktop to a laptop to see if it would work. I've not missed my Mac Pro a single day since it went, and I now run on a MacBook Pro fully loaded. But what? But one thing that bothered me when I was going to do this was the throttling thing and the temperature thing and all those things to do with, with the fans going and stuff like that. And somebody from a great, sent me a great article. And in that article, they recommended an app called uh, Turbo Boost Switcher Pro. And I don't know if you know, the reason, the backstory to this is that because Intel haven't kept up with chip design, and that's why Apple are going to ARM, Apple basically turbo boost the, sh the, the, the guts out of every chip to make it run, to make them run as fast as they can all the time to get the maximum power out of an Intel chip. That's why Macs run hot a lot. But the truth is that most of the time they don't need the turbo boost running. So this means you can turn it on and off depending on the apps you're working on and stuff like that. In fact, I turn it off for most of the time. I've tested it even when I'm rendering high level video on uh, uh final cut and it doesn't seem to make much difference having it on or off so basically it means you can switch the turbo off and it can tell you what temperature your machine's running at and it means that now my mac runs quieter cooler and it's just brilliant it's about a tenner but it means that you're because obviously computers last longer if they're not burning the heat all the time if you want to kill a computer just run it hot all day every day uh so it's a great app. If you've got, I would suggest people who've got laptops, who've got Mac Minis in their studio, get this program. It's brilliant. It's called Turbo Boost Switcher Pro, uh, and he, and uh, there will be a link in the 
show notes. And on that cool tip, see what I did there, guys. Very good. Mm. Impressed. It's good night from me. It's good night from me. And it's good night from me. Good night.